welcome our audience from around the globe. Today is part of our Sparks and Honey anniversary series. We are here with Jonathan Nelson and Peter Sherman. Over the next uh, 45 minutes or so, we're going to talk about the birth of cultural strategy. We're going to talk about um, the way cultural strategy has impacted a holding company and many clients um, over the last 10 years. I'm happy to be here with my uh, co-briefer, Kristen Cohen, the Chief Marketing Officer of Sparks and Honey. And let me quickly um, introduce our guest. So uh, today we have Jonathan Nelson, who is the CEO of Omnicom Digital, where he oversees strategy for Omnicom's digital assets. Um, and he has been an advocate, a mentor, a coach, a partner uh, for, from the beginning uh, with, with Sparks and Honey. Um, I also want to introduce Peter Sherman. He is the EVP Global Clients um, at Omnicom, and he oversees innovation, integration, and growth across Omnicom's largest clients. Uh, we also had anticipated having Rita Rodriguez here with us. She is also EVP of Omnicom. She couldn't be here with us, but she's definitely here in spirit. Um, and so uh, we will be catching up with her at, at a later time. So look, it's kind of hard to believe that it's been 10 years that we started this company within the walls of Omnicom. Uh, so much has changed over that period of time. And I want to start by just saying thank you to uh, Jonathan, Peter, Rita for being um, on this journey. I mean, you, you, from, from strategically helping guide the, the, the company to um, helping me in, in navigating the complex, complexities of the holding company. And, and I, I think about uh, your role um, in, in Omnicom, and you pretty much see it all. You see the initiatives that are happening, the impact that's made on clients, the acquisitions that are pulled into um, the, the company. And I wanted to explore with you, uh, knowing all those different things that you see and touch on a daily, monthly, and annual basis, you know, what do you think is the essence that truly makes Sparks and Honey stand out and makes Sparks and Honey special? And maybe, Peter, if you don't mind to take that. Sure. I'll take that. Um, first of all, it's a privilege to be here, um, uh, Kristen and, and Terry. It really is. It's uh, 10 years almost seems impossible for a company that everything that comes out of Sparks and Honey always feels fresh and new to me. So 10-year anniversaries almost seem anathema to Sparks and Honey, but um, it is really uh, an honor to be here today with, with both of you and with the Sparks and Honey community. I'd say... One thing that um, Sparks and Honey, obviously, the product is understanding culture. And we know that that is unique and special in and of itself. But for me, the culture within Sparks and Honey, which is kind of a, um, a double click on, on the product itself, but the culture that lives within the hallways of Sparks and Honey, to me, has always been quite special. And it feels like it draws on or calls on smart, curious, restless types of people. Uh, and, and I walk in, anytime I walk into the door of Sparks and Honey, I feel like I need to trade my glasses out for a set of binoculars. You know, it feels like these aren't people that are, that are these are people that are less in, interested in what's in the windshield and far more interested in what's just beyond the headlights. And that creates a, an energy that builds on itself and a culture within a, a company that, that, uh, that, that endeavors to understand culture that I think is quite unique and special. And it's a privilege for anybody who hasn't walked through the doors 
live and in person into Sparks and Honey to feel the magnetism and the good energy and the curiosity in the future facing nature of that culture. It's quite special to me. No, thank you, Peter. Appreciate that. Uh, Jonathan, uh, same, same question to you. Well, first of all, it's hard to imagine that it's been 10 years. Congratulations, <laughs> um, Terry. Unbelievable. Uh, I think everything that we do, all of our work, all of our lives is rooted in culture. And the fact that you guys have, have been trying to understand it, trying to define it, trying to categorize it, talking about it in the depth that you do, uh, creating a company that walks the talk, embodies much of the cultural trends that you're talking about. Uh, is, is really a testament to, to you and your leadership and the company you've built. And I'm incredibly proud of the company and I'm, I'm super honored that I've been able to participate uh, like I have in it. That's awesome. Um, so if, if we think about, you know, a few milestones, I mean, rewinding, 2012, we, we launched Sparks and Honey. Uh, we were lucky enough to have Stuart Elliott feature us in the New York Times. A couple years in, uh, you know, Ad Age uh, featured us as one of the agencies to watch. And I think, Peter, that was when you were taking over. You were just coming in as um, the lead of, of some of Omnicom's biggest clients at that point. Um, fast forward, Jonathan, in, in collaboration, we launched Q, uh, AI-driven uh, platform in 2017. 2019, we were on the stage with Media Post, and Omnicom was featured as... Um, holding company of the year and for you know second year in a row second year in the row and i think you know the combination of what has been done with omni and q um the, the you know led to some of that and it's it's been kind of ama amazing to watch i mean and and be a part of and kind of see the industry that we've created and you know in, in the analyst call in uh 2019 i just you know you see the quote here from john wren where he talks about the power of a SaaS platform and AI-powered uh, cultural intelligence um, in helping organizations predict where the world is going, right? And the question I have for you, Jonathan, is you were here in the early days when we were doing this stuff manually, we were trying to figure out how to train the AI and you know uh, push it into an actual platform. Now we have that, that platform fuels much of what we do at Sparks and Honey, and it has been unleashed um, on many of the networks across Omnicom. I, I just wanted to get your view and perspective on what you think the power of Q and this, this idea of AI-powered uh, cultural intelligence is. Well, I've always thought that computers have a, a superhuman ability to see patterns and information to collect data from all over the world. You know, obviously we're all on the internet and it's, it's trying to make sense of what's going on and the world's getting to be, and has been and getting even more of a complex place and put uh, essentially sort of platforming an entire holding company is what we've been doing between Q and Omni and, and Adzu, uh, you know, trying to make sense both uh, qualitatively like with Q and quantitatively with things like Omni, trying to understand exactly what's happening across uh, agencies across content, across all the disciplines, healthcare, PR, um, uh, uh, activating it with media, you know, using technology to 
make the entire company smarter is what we're really trying to get at. And Q kind of leads it, you know, from the front here, right? Everything is embedded in culture and it all uh, sits in a, in a root of that, in a base of that. So trying to create a tool that is easy to use and yet incredibly valuable once you have a skilled uh, practitioner using it is really what we set out to do. And I think we, we've achieved that with the, the product queue that we have. Yeah, and I know many times you talk about, you know, superpowers. And I think of the uh, strategist at Sparks and Honey, by leveraging these tools, you, you ultimately get superpowers. I mean, it, it's allowing you to do things faster, yeah. better, quicker. And, you know, we talk about seeing around corners. You're, you're basically seeing things before others are able to see them. And you wouldn't be able to do that if it was just the traditional way of doing it. Yeah, I mean, nobody could read all. I mean, we're looking at hundreds of millions of, of their signals, but no, nobody could read that much information. There's too many lifetimes, and a computer can do it in in moments, yeah. and then kind of categorize it, see the similarities, see the parallels mm-hmm. to each other, and then fit it together. And then I'm, I'm particularly excited about okay, now let's. What do we do with that? Because understanding a trend or uh, understanding culture is one thing. Converting that into real-world content and then tracking that content all the way through the, the use cases um, and d- down to an individual, I think, is really, really powerful stuff, and that's what we're doing at Omnicom broadly. And I think um, you touched on it a second ago, Jonathan, but the, you know, the idea that now we have 226 Omnicom agencies that are actually using Q. You guys have been here since the very beginning, uh, the birth of Sparks and Honey, kind of unbelievable. I would love um, if you could share um, from a personal perspective what maybe some of your favorite memories are of Sparks and Honey. Uh, Peter, maybe we start with you. Sure. Uh, one, one moment that stands out for me amongst many. Uh, every time that, uh, I'll say this again, every time that I open the door to Sparks and Honey or walk through the door to Sparks and Honey, it feels like a new moment or uh, uh, you know uh, a new discovery for me. But one, one of the many moments that stands out is maybe six, seven years ago um, in, in, a, in a smaller room in Sparks and Honey with Terry Young. And we're talking about how do we really make sure that we're putting the consumer at the center of everything that we do? How do we make sure that we're piping the consumer right up the gut of everything that we're doing for our clients? And Terry took out like a, and, and I, it might have been a permanent Sharpie. It's probably still on the wall. <laughs> and wrote on the wall, literally, not on, you know, on the wall, three squiggly lines, micro, macro, and mega. And he said, this is how we're going to make sure that the consumer is at the center of everything we do. And uh, at that time, what I didn't understand has become what has moved from what I didn't understand to hygiene and oxygen for me and for a large part of our 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 company. It really is reading cultural waves, seeing around corners, making sure that we're understanding not, you know, not just behavior that has happened, but understanding behavior that will happen um, by reading those types of waves and that. That moment, I still have a photo of that, although I probably didn't need a photo. I think it's still permanently on the wall somewhere. <laughs> it might <laughs> be. <laughs> out. It's funny, Peter, when you um, said that, we had the global CEO of RAP here last week, and one of the things he said he remembered about the original business plan was us talking about fast, medium, and slow culture and how to be consumer-centric 
you have to wrap the consumer in culture and understand how uh, the consumer moves in culture. And, you know, that, that moment that, you're ta- that you described was kind of some of the evolutionary thinking that, that we had gotten into as we began to understand um, how you take different signals and map them at a micro, macro, and mega level. I remember yeah. that very well, that, that, that conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Jonathan, what about you? I, uh, I vividly remember the first time that I went to Sparks and Honey, and I walked into a briefing cold. I, I was aware of the company, but it was pretty early on. And I don't know. You know how people like talk about where they were when people landed on the moon or in 64 when the Beatles played Ed Sullivan? <laughs> I, I kind of feel like that was – I had a moment like that. You know, There's not that many moments in life where you vividly – like I remember where I sat – remember kind of what was going on because I sat in that room and Sparks and Honey for one hour talked about culture in a way that I'd never heard it talked about. And what was said was so clear and and illustrated, uh, poignant, real, and you guys just nailed it. And it was really a, a, a moment of clarity for me. Like, wow, if you define culture Right now, you guys do it with 109 elements of culture. So you break it down into its constituent components, and then you discuss it. And you discuss it daily, vigorously, with a, and you've created a language to do it. You start to see things, patterns that you would never, ever see before because of the kind of uh, intellectual rigor that you apply to it. Now, this sounds like too, kind of too big almost, but... I walked in that room. I was like, wow, these folks have really captured this. And it got me thinking almost right away. And I know, Terry, you and I started talking about right away, which is how do we capture this? How do we teach a computer this language so that we can automate this? And that really turned into what Q is uh, today. And it's it's kind of that magical dance in, in the briefings we're identifying those, those little nuances of language and culture. And you need that moment because that is the input that goes into the algorithms in order to train them. And over time, we've done that. But that, that, was, that was in those beginning days, that was really hard to do. But I think that it, it was so amazing that we had the briefings because that was so important to the future of the AI. So... Yeah, I mean, you guys, we had really worked out all those little the details of breaking it down to its component elemental parts. And then kind of the briefings were like manually scoring them. And that's very similar to how a computer actually looks at a machine learning problem. But we'll talk about that, I'm sure, in a, in yeah. a little bit. But but Absolutely. that that moment was really clear for me. It was really, really special. I mean, I don't I've I can count probably on one or two hands how many times I've had experiences like that in my, in my career. Wow. Amazing stuff. The, um, uh, we, we talked a little last week also while we were talking about the, you know, the, the 10 year anniversary that to get any company off the ground and Jonathan, you've got, you've launched many companies, um, that it takes an ecosystem of believers, right? And it's not, it's just not easy because you, it's not just one person. And, you know, we were lucky enough last week to have some of the original people from Omnicom that 
put the first money up, right? I mean, it requires funding. Um, we had our inaugural client, who was the global president of Estee Lauder, who over a dinner on the Upper West Side, Lynn Green, um, she not only said, I'm going to want to be a client, but I want to help you co-create this idea together. Um, not too long after that, we had Indra Nui, who um, was uh, in a fireside chat on Tuesday, and, and she, she joined to be a part of it. Um, you know, we had, you know, uh, you know, Stuart from the New York Times, and we had the first team. And all those things are, are so important. But I was reflecting on the 10 years, and, you know, we're one of a lot of agencies in a holding company, right? And it's not every day that, that Omnicom is launching startups. I mean, Omnicom typically buys companies, right? And I really have to say that the role that Jonathan, you, Peter, and Rita have played has been um, so important in navigating the complexity of the holding company system. And, and, I, and I kind of consider it almost like the unofficial board. You know, like you all have been there every step of the way and, and you've helped guide a little and nurture, I think nurture is the key word, a small little seed that I think many times in large corporations, those seeds get absorbed in the core and they never get their, their wings. And I think that in a certain way, you protected and mentored and coached the seed to allow it to um, build that uniqueness that has become Sparks and Honey. And so, you know, I, I first off wanted to thank you because it, it just, the importance of the role that you, you've played. And I also wondered to myself, like, it's been a long time and you've been there every step of the way. What's kept you staying the course <laughs> with Sparks and Honey over this time? And Peter, maybe I'll, I'll throw that to you. Uh, it's a great question. And I, I think there is a, a, a sort of a true north that uh, Sparks and Honey sits right, you know, right in the center of, which is not very hard when, when you're that fundamental to helping our clients understand their consumers. And, you know, we're, we're not only in the business of, of helping our clients, we're in the business of helping our clients understand their customers and consumers. And when you sit so squarely uh, in, that, in that true door, uh, it's, it's kind of clarifying, it cuts through, it makes it easy. It's uh, not a hard decision. It's not hard to see how valuable uh, your product and services are. And, and that, I, I think, um, is, is number one. And underneath that is just how unique it's not just any startup. It's not just any uh, company that's gone from small to, to scale. It's a company that is very, very unique. I don't know of uh, any other company or entity that provides exactly what you provide, um, or for that matter, even close. So, you know, we're, we're, we're very given to um, helping a company and supporting a company and getting underneath a company that provides something uh, unique in the marketplace, and when that unique offering sits so squarely with what we're we're in the business to do in total, service our clients and then help them connect closer with their consumers, then that's pretty clarifying. Uh, I don't I actually don't think it's any more complicated than that, to be honest. That's awesome, Jonathan. I'd ask you the same. So, to me, it's all about pattern recognition. In the course of a year, I don't know the exact number, but I look at probably close to a thousand companies 
Omnicom, on average, we spend, I don't know, in my group, half a billion dollars a year buying companies. Headline is, I see a lot of companies. <laughs> and I have never seen one like Sparks and Honey. And because I see a lot of things, just my personal opinion is you kind of recognize things that are interesting. And Sparks and Honey really is that. And as a result of it, and then the fact that I get to visit with you all so frequently, it, my faith in the business and the operating model and the technology is reaffirmed every time that I see it. Hmm. Um, that those ideas just keep continuing and, and it's tendacious. It keeps building and gets better and better. And, uh, you know, I know that we've had our ups and downs like every company does, that doing a startup inside a giant, you know, holding company is not easy. But the product, uh, the people, the curiosity, and the technology kind of come together in a way that is super, super special. And it's quite frankly why I do what, what I do uh, at Omnicom, it's super exciting, and I, you know, I, I can't, you know, obviously I'm gushing. I can't say enough about how amazing the company is and what a crazy ride it's been over 10 years, and what, how excited I am about the next 10 years. Mm. But um, really, really special stuff, and uh, you know, it's to be nurtured, developed, and and, uh, and you know, expanded. Awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you for your support. Obviously, um, I want to switch gears a little bit. We had um, on Tuesday, uh, Terry, you were joining uh, Indra Nui, uh, former PepsiCo chairman and CEO here in this very studio uh, for a fireside chat. Um, I know we have a, a quote here on the screen from her uh, about um, CEOs are supposed to be very powerful, but also they're powerless. Um, I, I think it, it was an interesting quote. I mean, the fireside chat was incredible. Um, but this particular quote, I think, is interesting because... Um, she just talked, she was talking a bit about how you can, you know, you can really understand what's happening around you and what's happening in culture and have a point of view on how to make change. But ultimately, you need to be able to rally your entire organization around you to be able to, um, to actually see those changes in, in action. Um, and if, Terry, if you wouldn't mind going to the, to the next slide, you know, at Sparks and Honey, um, we obviously, uh, we think about ourselves as a, a form of a CEO whisper, if you will. Um, and a lot of that comes in, you know, kind of comes in, you know, looking at obviously Q as a, as a platform and understanding what are the cultural signals that we see around us and thinking about what those future scenarios might look like. Um, what you're seeing here on the screen um, is really actually a, a snapshot of what we, you know, what we've been tracking in terms of earnings calls and looking at what CEOs are, what's on the top of their minds right now. And you can see everything from um, diversity to sustainability to wellness and, and beyond. Um, and I, Peter, I wanted to kind of turn this question to you, I think, because, um, you know, ultimately at the end of the day, seeing around corners is critical for the C-suite. And um, that's what we aim to do here at Sparks and Honey. And culture is our grounding force and what allows us to do that. I would love, from your perspective and where you sit within Omnicom, to talk to us a little bit about um, some of the, the challenges that you're seeing in front of CEOs uh, these days. Yeah, I, I think, um, Kristen, I think those charts capture it very, very well. Um, you know, I, I'm just gonna verbalize really what mm -hmm. is in the, the graphs that you just shared, which I, I think um, this has not that much to do with, or it has a lot to do with marketing, but it has 
uh, you know, goes way beyond marketing and marketing services. I think CEOs are, um, are clearly not just leading companies. They're helping those companies more than ever. They're help, needing to help navigate those companies through the environment that surrounds them. Uh, and that environment is not something that can be ignored. It's changing on a dime. It's changing on a weekly basis. And even more so, I think we're in a condition where you can't retreat from it. You're, you're called on to respond to that environment. And that response oftentimes has to be immediate. And you can't get caught flat-footed. Uh, and you can't choose not to take a position. You're, the environment is, in, is becoming an, a, a dynamic that is uh, unavoidable. It is shaping uh, the way that CEOs have to have to run and and lead and navigate their companies. So well, understanding the environment as much as you can ahead of it happening um, is a is a significant benefit to something like Sparks and Honey that Sparks and Honey brings to our CEOs because that again I think that's always been part of the landscape, but it's increasing at such a level where uh, where the outside culture that I. Uh, dynamic around companies are, is perhaps even more important, a, a larger part of the CEO's diet than the companies themselves. So I think that uh, that is captured well in those charts and I think it's only going to increase. And um, certainly I think, you know, we'll, we, we can look at those graphs 10 years from now and I think the lines will be even more, almost 90 degrees. Thank you, Peter. I, I appreciate that. And I, I do think that those graphs um, capture it really nicely. And the whole idea of being able to sync with culture in a, in a very consistent way to be able to navigate how you and ultimately how you're going to show up and, and those decisions that you're going to make that, that again, that rally the organization. So thank you. And, I, and I, I think like even the last two years, I mean, what we have lived through with the pandemic I mean, the pandemic didn't decrease the confusion, it increased it, right? There was even more chaos for a CEO to try to make sense of this world. And I think that's where, you know, the, the, the power of um, culture and these anomalies, the things that you may not have planned for in your five-year strategic roadmap, um, this allows you to, to anticipate or weather when those things actually happen. So, no, no question. Navigating the external environment has become significantly more important than, than uh, just leading within an internal culture. So, so Jonathan, you'll, you'll, you'll like this one. I, I thought we'd go back to the briefings for a, a, a second. I mean, the, the briefings are a flagship <laughs> moment for Sparks and Honey. It's where we train the AI. But, I mean, you know, pre-pandemic in, in a place just like this, we could have 75 to 100 guests every single day flowing into our walls and creating that dynamic discussion around where the world is going. I'll just play a little snapshot of someone that you're definitely a fan of. Um, I think, I mean, I, like just my experience, um, I'm from San Francisco and I go to a really small, uh, like very small, very liberal school. And I think we're like, we are very inclusive in this. I'm part of a club called Multiculti, which is the multicultural club. Um, and conversations about religion and spirituality and inclusiveness always come up and it's one of the core values of the school. However, where that kind of clashes is like, especially now in today's age, um, political beliefs are kind of becoming the new, like mm. where religion used to be the source of conflict, 
since I live in San Francisco and it's a very liberal school, the very small number of conservative students or even like um, students who are just kind of in the middle and aren't super far left, they are completely outnumbered and in some cases feel bullied by both students and teachers from the teaching style. And I, I show this um, just to talk about the ingredients that we've put together over you know the last 10 years. I mean, you know, one of them being the briefing, which I think people experience Sparks and Honey and it really sticks with them. But, you know, we've built out what, you know, what we call the laws of culture, which is our way of thinking about culture. And it kind of gets back to Peter talking about micro, macro, and mega, you know, understanding culture at the horizontal, understanding the tensions in culture, the elements of culture that, that you reference, which is now being shifted to 109 elements that we've trained the algorithms to read, uh, the advisory board that has some incredible thinkers on it that helps us shape what we see in culture. And, you know, the methodologies and frameworks, which like any consulting firm, we have at least 50 plus, but in those, they're designed specifically to make sense of culture. And when I was thinking about all of these ingredients, you know, we've used them to shape Sparks and Honey. We've used them and they've been adopted across Omnicom. Many, many of the networks and agencies use them, but it's now um, an industry, you know, cultural strategy has been an industry that has been created. And, you know, 10 years ago, people didn't know what it was. Now, consulting firms are building full departments around this. Uh, organizations are building departments around this. So I, I just wanted to get your perspective on, you know, does any of this surprise you? And, and kind of where do you see um, the impact of, of the industry, both on the holding company and on our clients? I think the only thing that surprises me is that it took so many companies so long to figure out how important this was. <laughs> um, the, the good news is we have a bit of a first mover advantage, which uh, is a super positive thing. I think we have tried to stitch it together using the framework that Sparks and Honey has developed, but then productize it into uh, a, a a SaaS platform that's uh, for ourselves and for our clients to give them an advantage. Um, ultimately, for what we do, it's it's all about uh, intelligence and insights, and it starts and is rooted in culture. And the more that we can push Q and the the, the frameworks that are developed by Sparks and Honey across all of our subsidiaries, uh, the smarter they become and the better the work they do for our clients. Likewise. I think the, the ability to use the same platform uh, to collaborate with clients and help them understand kind of what's going on um, is an invaluable tool as we, as technology and life gets more complex and life speeds up here. It's tools like Q and companies like Sparks and Honey that allow everybody to, to as you say, see around corners. Awesome. Kristen, do you want to take us to some ad libs, have a little fun? Yeah, so so this is some fun, uh, should be some fun for, for the two of you. So I have, um, I have we've had it over, I mean, since I've been at Sparks and Honey, which is almost going on crazily enough, six years or more than half the, the lifespan of Sparks and Honey. Incredible feedback all the time from clients. I think even similar to what you were talking about, Jonathan, incredible feedback too. Um, coming to a briefing and such. And so 
over, um, even over, as we've touched on the 10th anniversary, over the last week, we've had incredible um, uh, social media engagement and, and all sorts of um, write-ins uh, about, you know, thanking Sparks and Honey. And um, we want to go through a couple of them and um, see if you can get some of the, some of the answers. So um, this particular one actually comes from the first briefing uh, that Terry did from a former, former CEO of DOS. So um, it, I don't know if you, if you watched it, but we'll see how you do on this one. Um, so I'll read it for you. It says, I knew this was going to be an investment. I knew it was going to require money, but I knew it was going to be a great blank. To me, it was not a risk. Your, the possibilities are day, bet, or company. Uh, I'll oh, that's answer that. Jonathan. Uh, oh, you want to start, Peter? Go ahead. Let Peter jump in. Okay, Peter. J Jonathan, go ahead. Uh... Well, I, I, am I allowed to say D all of the above? <laughs> I, I'll answer. say I'll, 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 I'll say B. I'll, I know the CEO, and I, yeah. I guess it's <laughs> good answer. And I like yeah. the I like the all of the above. I'd, I'd ask him about the 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 risk is like because yeah. you decided from a piece of paper, and he was like, I I just never felt like it was a big risk, you know, because. It was so, and they started talking about the micro, macro, mega, and some of those things that they had never seen before, even in the business plan. And so it, it, it was nice to, to, to hear them riff on, you know, what motivated them in those very beginning days. And that CEO was a relentless advocate of yours. <laughs> um, retired now, but retired, great, yeah. great guy. Really great. Yeah. Next question. Peter, this one's for you. This is from a university professor. I learn every day from SNH, and I'm always, and I feel like this, this speaks exactly to what you just said earlier. I learn every day from SNH, and I'm always happy to share your insights with my next gen of professional, professionals all over the world. Here's to the next chapter SNH in the blank ecosystem, future, or metaverse? Uh, I'd, I'd have to say future on that one because I think, you know, the, the other two maybe draw some lines around it. And I don't think Sparks and Honey is a, an entity that needs to have uh, too many lines around it. And as somebody who actually teaches a class myself, um, it has become uh, anytime, Kristen, in particular, that you visit and speak to our class, it absolutely is one of the most future, it is the most future-facing elements of the course that I teach and a course that often looks back on history to understand it is the one element that helps us look forward to understand. So I definitely would say future on that one. Do you want to go? Yeah. Metaverse was the answer, but because maybe, um, but I do think that the, I, I agree with you. I mean, I think the, um, you know, we're so focused on the future. I think this particular example, I think they're expecting us to show up. What does our, what do, what do we look like in the metaverse? Yeah, and, and this, this uh, individual who, uh, professor, she brings her students, and I know yep. you've done that as yeah, well, yeah. Every, every year. And then they even adopted uh, the cultural briefing and the methodology as part of the syllabus. And so they, they teach it in, in the classroom um, for one method of cultural understanding in the marketplace. Outstanding. Yeah. So next one, Jonathan, this one's for you. Um, this comes from a client. Actually, she also participated in one of the earlier briefings for the 10th anniversary. Um, I'm continually impressed with the depth of cultural expertise, quantification of ephemeral culture, 
and the development of new areas of expertise, DE&I, policy and uh, philanthropy, so some of our new practice areas. Terry and team, you have built a blank in the red ocean of agencies. A submarine, <laughs> a blue ocean, or a jellyfish? <laughs> well, this, this one kind of sounds like a, one of those duologies in your SATs. So <laughs> I'm gonna, once again, uh, go with, with B. Uh, blue ocean. Good answer. <laughs> <laughs> Great. One more. One more. One more. Peter, this one's for you. Take us home. Um, so this is from uh, Trends Lead at Reddit, obviously something that we follow um, very closely. Congratulations, Terry, Camillo, and uh, each mind that's influenced this blank of an organization. I'm indebted for how I now see culture and the future, excited for what lies ahead. A, Anomaly, B, Juggernaut, or C, Swiss Army Knife? Again, I want to go with the D, all of the above. Um, <laughs> uh, and that, that would actually absolutely be the right answer. So I uh, haven't gotten the, the last one wrong. I'm a little, I'm a little shy to answer this, but I, I, <laughs> we'll take D. I would say, <laughs> uh, honestly, for me, it's, um, while Juggernaut is not something that I, that I would, normally attached to uh, kind of a startup mentality and a challenger company and a unique company, it's become that for me. So for me, Juggernaut's the right answer because it is absolutely unstoppable. Um, it's that unique. It is that scalable and of that size that it, its impact is, um, is so far beyond its size and its original intent that that would for me, be the right answer. Love that answer. It, he happened to say, in this case, anomaly. But I, I do think, I mean, listen, I'm, I'm sitting here today with Terry. I would say D. I like that answer, D. And I, I truly think that they all really apply. So thank you. Awesome. Sure. So now, you know, in our last uh, minutes together, I just want to turn the attention to the future. I mean, you know, we, we have 10 years of history as a company. We, I think we're radiating across the holding company and, and building IP and, and platforms and there's a bigger vision there. And we're also building a, um, an industry really. I mean, there, there, there's now, I mean, people, you know, they're outside of Sparks and Honey, people that their careers and ha have developed in this particular space. I'm curious from both of you, you know, where do you see it going from here? What, what are your aspirations? your ideas for how this um, moves and transforms over the next decade. Peter, do you want to take that? Uh, I, I'll start, and, and maybe this will be a little of a, a high-altitude answer, but I believe it. It's, I think our industry, on its best day, um, endeavors to help shape culture. But I think as we move forward, culture will have more and more a role in shaping how we communicate. Um, and that condition, I think, is almost unassailable and beyond argument. Culture, as we talked about in the environment that CEOs face, uh, is an increasingly large and um, unavoidable dynamic. The environment around us is, is shaping how we have to lead companies. It's shaping how we have to communicate. It's shaping how we engage with each other. So I think when you look at a condition like that, that again, I think is just beyond argument, 
I can't imagine a company that whose relevance will only increase in kind with that condition, in lockstep with that condition. Uh, you don't have to invent a need when the need is so omnipresent and growing. And so I, I see, um, I see more scaling and um, increased use and culture becoming an increasing part of the taxonomy in which we understand our clients, consumers, and almost moving to, to, um, to hygiene in a good way, because uh, I, I can't, almost can't imagine moving forward without cultural intelligence, without seeing around corners, without putting those binoculars on uh, and helping our clients see beyond the headlines. So that to me, when there's a, 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 a need and a dynamic that is that clear and apparent and increasing, the relevance of Sparks and Honey is only going to grow with it. Awesome. Thank you. Jonathan? I think it's pretty clear that the world is speeding up, that it's getting more complex and more technical. It's more interconnected. And as I look to the future and kind of what we're trying to do at Omnicom, uh, I'm looking to harness, well, kind of live in the obvious, which is that you know, culture is speeding up, interconnectedness speeding up, harnessing the technology. I think we're kind of on the on the cusp of a real AI revolution here. It's early days still. Um, you know, Q has been a leader in that space of using machine learning to to use it to predict culture. But I think tools like Q are going to sit underneath companies like Omnicom more and more and more, and that the interconnectedness of things is is going to increase. That old Ultimately, what our jobs are is to help a CEO reconcile the past, the present, and the future, right? They have to understand the past and how they got to where they are and honor, say, any commitment they made to Wall Street or to their employees or um, to the company, kind of navigate the present, right, which has been very much an evident recently, like for things like COVID or, or some of the um, geopolitical crises that are going on. Um, in the world, but then also set the stage for the future. And companies like Sparks and Honey, tools like you, connected to other tools like Omni, ultimately driving perception around their brands, results around their, their financial performance, future-proofing their companies. That's what this is all about. That's what Omnicom is all about. And I think that it's it's a great thing to have some someone like yourself, Terry, and yourself, Kristen, a company like Sparks and Honey, and a tool like you to kind of help reconcile all that and uh, and help Omnicom own the intelligence layer that is driving our clients' companies forward. Yeah, it's exciting. I mean, we, you know, we, we, I guess coming, you know, full circle, I mean, we're looking forward to what's in front of us in the next 10 years. I, I think there's so much more to do at Sparks and Honey. I think there's so much impact we still can have on the holding company. And I am personally, and I think everyone at Sparks Honey, excited about what we build in the industry because it is, I, it's become clear to me that it is even more fundamental today than it was 10 years ago when we, we started it. We've talked to a lot of executives over the last, you know, two weeks, and 
that that's one thing that that to, to both of you have said it. I mean, the world is getting faster; it's becoming more complex, and you just need uh, to put culture at the center of the way you think about um, strategic plans, innovation, product development, so forth and so on. So, a, a couple a couple of things to, to leave us with. Um, I we have recently launched uh, three new practice areas. These kind of tie back to some of those biggest challenges we're seeing from. Um, uh, CEOs and executives in the marketplace. Davion Harris leads our diversity, equity, inclusion practice. Hannah Hickman is leading our youth and Gen Z practice. And Rob Hinsey is leading our policy and philanthropy practice. So I think um, this is the opportunity to take all of this foundation we have in culture and now apply it very specifically uh, to three different areas that are on the minds of most CEOs in the marketplace. Um, and with that, I think I, I want to thank both of you for being with us here today. Uh, I want to thank Rita, even though she's not on screen, she's here with us in spirit. I want to thank my co-briefer, uh, Kristen Cohen. And um, I, I look forward to, you know, collaborating and continuing this process and, you know, what we build over the next decade. I think there's, it, it, it's an amazing journey that's actually in front of us. Fantastic. Wow. Thank you. you. Looking forward to it. It's really quite a privilege. It was an honor to be with you today. Thank you, Peter. Thanks, Jonathan. For all of our guests, uh, we will be back next week. And I encourage you to tune in for a full week of cultural briefings. And until Tuesday, consider yourself briefed. Mm